Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to World Weekly with me, Ben Hall. Andres Manuel López Obrador delivered a stunning rebuke to Mexico's political elites this week, winning a huge mandate in presidential elections for his leftist nationalist agenda. For the first time in a century, the established parties of centre-left and centre-right have ceded power to a party outside the mainstream. Mr López Obrador, or AMLO as he is more widely known, built a political career railing against political and business elites and espousing a radical agenda of mass nationalisation and big government spending. But on the campaign trail, he was markedly less radical and his first comments after Sunday's election have been conciliatory. After an awkward five-month transition period, he will soon have to grapple with huge problems facing Mexico. Rampant corruption, horrendous violence and a trade war with the US. But what kind of leader will AMLO be? Joining me to discuss this latest Mexican revolution are Jude Weber, our correspondent in Mexico City, and John Paul Rathbone, our Latin America editor. Jude, if I can start with you, just tell us a little bit more about AMLO and where he came from. Well... He came from the system. He's been in politics forever. He comes from the southeastern state of Tabasco, but he studied political science and went into politics. And in those days, it was the PRI. And then he left the PRI when the PRD, which was then the breakaway leftist force, was created. And then he left that a few years ago. And four years ago, his Morena party became a party. So he's come from the establishment, but he's always been trying to push a different agenda. He made his name really standing up for the rights of local communities. For example, in the South, farmers and fishermen whose livelihoods were threatened by Pemex. Pemex is the national oil company. By um, installations of Pemex, he blockaded those. So he made a name for himself in the 90s as a rabble rouser. Then he became mayor of Mexico City from 2000 to 2005, did a good job. And he broke away from the PRD, this other leftist party, founded his own party. And it was a grassroots movement that he he traveled the country, canvassing opinion, you know, holding rallies in tiny town squares all over the place for years to build up his Morena party, which has now decimated everyone else. Do you think he won because of huge enthusiasm for his policy agenda or because of disgust with the established parties and their record in power? The motivation was discussed with the current government, but there was also a very strong sense that people were willing to try something different, that they'd reached the end of the road with the current model and it was time to give something else a a go. So his own policies are not really all that well spelled out. I think what motivated it was not fear, it was anger. And in that anger, people turned to look at Morena and thought, "Mm, well, okay, let's give them a go. JP, Where would you put AMLO on the spectrum of Latin American leftists? That's a good question. One comparison has been to Lula da Silva, the Brazilian president, who first came to power in 2002. 
Markets were totally freaked out by the prospect of his presidency. And then he turned out, in fact, at least for his first term in office before the corruption truly set in, to be a highly pragmatic leader who worked with business leaders and while pursuing his social agenda. I think one way of thinking about AMLO is there are two big forces pulling at him. One is his political background. As Jude was pointing out just then, he's always been a man on a mission. He has his own ideas about what things should be, and some of them are quite old-fashioned. On the other hand, his father was also a shopkeeper, so he has this Macorber-esque approach to the accounts of two shillings in and two shillings out is happiness. So he could be a relatively austere president financially, but with this social component to him, heavy social component, slightly old-fashioned, slightly protectionist, but with a solid macroeconomic approach, depending, of course, where he can find the money. But he is his own man. He's very much Mexican, and he's grown out of uh, Mexican history. But we have to see what kind of leftist style he turns out to be. Jude, how's he going to square this circle of lavishing money on food and fuel subsidies and apprenticeships and running a tight shop fiscally? First of all, he says he's going to run a very austere government. So he's cut his own salary. He's going to cut other senior bureaucrat salaries. He's going to run a, a very no-frills kind of administration. So that will free up some money. And then he just says it's going to be through not having corruption. But he's been made fun of a little bit in the press here over the last couple of weeks. As People have sort of said it's as if, you know, he expects to get into the National Palace and open a door and find a room full of money. It's obviously not going to be like that. So he's going to have to be very cautious. But he's stuck to the idea that he's definitely not going to run a deficit, that he's not going to increase new debt. He's not going to increase the debt. He's not going to increase taxes. So he's going to have to work with what he's got and, you know, cut his cloth according to what he has. That's a big unknown about his presidency at the moment. There are quite a lot of unknown things about him, aren't there? I mean, another one is to what degree does he really buy into the North American Free Trade Agreement? And how will he play the negotiations, the kind of bruising negotiations with the Trump administration? JP, what do you think? How much does Mr. Trump buy into the North American Free Trade Agreement? <laughs> no, uh, how, how much does AMLO? Ask that. So it's a bit like saying, do you want to put your money on this bet, although this bet might not be here tomorrow? I think what AMLO really wants is he wants stability in an ideal world so that he can do the things that he wants to do, which involve infrastructure projects, social programs, pensions, apprenticeships, ridding the country of corruption, which, as Jude mentioned, is easier said than done. So I think to the extent that keeping NAFTA going provides stability, then he will be in favour of NAFTA. Does his DNA sing out to him free trade? No, almost certainly not. But one thing at a time. But Mr Trump is intent on upheaval. He's living next door to a power that is shaking up the kind of world order. He's not really going to get the stability he wants, is he? Almost certainly not. But it's that old Porfirio Diaz quote about Mexico, so close to the United States and so far from God. That's always been the dilemma. We'll have to just wait and see. I think the ball really at the moment is in Mr. Trump's court. You could argue that, I mean, there are a million ways that this could be cut, but they're both very powerful presidents with a strong mandate. AMLO probably would agree with Trump that he would like to see higher wages for Mexican workers because that gels with his own program. How you get there, AMLO wants it for one reason, Trump wants it for another. How you get there, though, is another matter. Jude, what 
is there an AMLO that makes you think that he would be more than just the classic populist who finds that he can't deliver his irreconcilable pledges when he is in power and then resorts to other ways of maintaining public support or deflecting criticism? I mean, I think the jury's out on that one. He's said that he's not going to do any sort of radical changes, any radical reforms until the second half of his mandate because he wants to deliver in the first half. So he's going to spend the next three years trying very, very hard to square this circle that we've been talking about to deliver his pledges with the money that he has available. I mean, when he was in office as mayor, he didn't descend into populist chaos. So that's the comparison that's there to be made. We just don't know, though. With NAFTA, there are so many things up in the air that could change things for Mexico. I mean, if there are tariffs on the auto sector, the auto sector is the backbone of Mexico's economy. If that were to happen, that would presumably seriously throw out his sums. So I think it's up in the air. I think JP's absolutely right that he wants NAFTA to just go along on its own parallel track, stay as it is, so that he can manage what he feels that he can manage automatically, because he's not inherently an internationalist. He's not that interested in in international affairs. His prime focus is domestic. Well, a fascinating new era beckons for Mexico. That's it for this week. World Weekly is produced by Sarah Witt. Until next week, goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.